Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. Welcome, friends, to this week's Flower Farmer Chat. I am excited about every conversation I have with my guests, but this one I'm really, really, really excited about. If you followed me at Freckled Bloom Flower Farm, you know that I took a big leap into soil blocking and I absolutely love it. I love it because it allows me to grow so many flowers in a very small space to utilize my resources and maximize the cost let's just bring up the cost of electricity it's increased so to be able to utilize my grow lights my heat mat and to truly maximize that resource is super important to me as a small scale grower soil blocking has really allowed me to do that I can grow hundreds of seedlings on a tiny cafeteria tray versus if I'm using big plastic trays I can only fit so many seeds in that space so as a small scale grower and a person that's doing it by herself I need to grow as much as I can as efficient as I can and so I'm looking to find those folks for inspiration to help me not only maximize my growing but also to learn how I can do it and as the flower farming community has grown the really awesome part about that growth is that we have so many people entering into the flower farming community that come from various backgrounds. They're bringing skills and knowledge and innovations to our marketplace that have never been seen before. And I cannot wait to see the evolution of flower farming here in the States and across the world because we are growing so many more blooms locally. And with that said, I want to introduce you to Daniel and Ashley. Their adventure started with Ashley's Flower Farm at Gigi's Flower Farm and it evolved into an innovation that Daniel bloomed within his brain and worked really hard to create locally and it's the Swift Blocker. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I loved interviewing Daniel and Ashley and I hope that it encourages you on all levels to try something different. And if you have an idea blooming in your brain to have the courage to explore what that looks like and maybe bring your own innovations to our marketplace. So I hope you enjoy. Well, hey friends, I say this every week, how excited I am about this flower farmer chat, but I am ultra excited about this one. Y'all know that I love soil blocking. It has become a lifesaver for me in not only time, resources, but I just love them. And this year I bought my first Swift Blocker and I begged Daniel and Ashley to be on the podcast to share their journey with us because I think it's an amazing one and supporting their small business. And I'm going to encourage each and every one of you to get yourself a Swift Blocker because you want to talk about efficiency in your farm profitability, it will put you there on the map. So with that said, I would like to welcome Ashley and Daniel to the podcast. Welcome, guys. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for having us. Of course. So they're both on the podcast because I believe, and they'll correct me if I'm wrong, but the venture into Swift Blocker started with Ashley's flower farm. So Ashley, <laughs> tell us about your journey to flowers and how it 
all evolved? Your guys' journey and tell us all about it. Okay. We started planting flowers the summer before our daughter was born. So we were planting flowers in anticipation of her coming and wanted fun, exciting things to be growing. It was also the same year we bought our house, which is on the, it's the same house and same land that my grandparents owned. So we bought our land from my grandma. And then my grandma was a very big gardener, but my great grandma was a florist and actually owned a florist shop in um, Flat Rock, Michigan. We started just planting flowers just for fun to have them around. And we didn't really have a name or anything until much later in the year. The flowers that first year was just for me, just for us, for our family um, to share. And then in the winter, I discovered making winter wreaths with a actually a wreath maker. I really wanted to make them and I kind of like to go big or go home when it comes to that. So I've said I'm going to just sell them and see how many I can. And Daniel kind of goaded me into seeing how many I could sell. So uh, that's kind of how it all launched. And then we started our actual LLC for Gigi's Flower Farm, which is in combination for our daughter. And both of my grandmothers are called Gigi. It was kind of a twofold and kind of, you know, very big into the original parts of how everything came together that summer for us. And then that following summer, we started selling flowers, finding different avenues, and then evolved into Swift Blacker. We started going to, when did we do the farmer's market? 2020. 2020. Or no. 21. 21. 21. We started just with a little roadside stand by our house. We... We had a budget that we had set for the flower farm and based on all the seeds and dahlias, we had like completely, of course, exceeded it. And we were trying to figure out, we're like, we got to have a flower stand. What are we going to do? And so when we moved in, a lot of her grandma stuff had been moved out of the barn. And so I started digging out there and I found her great grandma's bed frame. And so we turned that into a flower stand at the end of our driveway. And so our brand is the flower bed. We have at the end of our driveway, we have our flower stand, which is a bed frame. And then we found another one. I put wheels on that one. And that's our mobile flower bed. When we bring that to the farmer's markets, people know, oh, hey, look for the flower bed. That's those people. And it's been just kind of a cool little thing to be able to keep our family with in our business and, and we're just keep doing this for fun we bring it and drop it off at subdivisions and keep it filled up and people come by and take what they want out of it and pay and then drop it off and we've tried to keep it as passive as much as we can to keep our own sanity from a selling standpoint and then from there daniel's an engineer and so with this engineer background he was like we need to be faster at doing this so we can spend less time but grow more flowers. And so he took that part and kind of ran with it for creating a Swift Blocker. Yeah, we were trying to figure out, and I think this is a fundamental problem with a lot of flower farms. So my background is manufacturing engineering. And you look at a flower farm, like any farm, is just a manufacturing plant. When you dissect your different areas of, of how you operate, you're going to be limited by some constraint to be able to grow your business. And I kept telling Ashley and, and the neighboring firms I work with, if you want to double your business, you can't just simply work twice as many hours. You can't do that because for us, at least, we have a finite amount of hours we can work with. So we had to develop solutions to be able to work twice as fast, right? That's where we started to kind of, literally, I drew circles of planting seeds, transplanting, and start to figure out what were the bottlenecks in our business. And one of the things that stood out was the soil blocking. And I was using that little hand tool and the whole time just hating my life and <laughs> 
and making my hands hurt. And I just kept saying to myself, I'm like, I know we could do better than this. Like, because, because that little hand tool limits you with how you seed. It like dictates the rest of how you live, right? It dictates how you water, what trays you use, how you're going to transplant, what size seeds you can even fit in there. And so that's when I started to talk to her. It was literally like, screw it. I don't want to do 20. I want to do 200. That was like literally how I picked that number. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to fill up an entire tray. And so I started to do a bunch of drawings and look at kind of what's out there and figure out from a manufacturing standpoint, what it was going to take. And we're fortunate in that being in the Detroit area, we have access to unbelievable manufacturers because of the automotive market. So we have extremely good steel workers, welders, laser cutters, everything within driving distance of our house. And it was important for us to support the same families our kids go to school with that we get groceries from, because those are the people that are supporting us. You know, when I started to ask around at steel shops with just a pad of paper, like, what do you think about this? And it took me about four or five for the last one to finally be like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. And we made one for us and I tried it and I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. And so she has a, there's a flower farm community around us. And there's a really good friend of ours, uh, Laura at Farmyard Blooms, who is an unbelievably good grower better than us <laughs> way better than us so we brought it to her and we were like hey what do you think about this and she was like well i changed change the thing here change it here and then she was like yeah i'll take one and we were like well we're not really selling them and she's like you got it you should guys should really think about doing this and so we made three more and then those sold and then we made nine and then we made 21 and then we just kept like getting more and more out of control that's kind of been our whole journey and then we've landed here a year and a half later of operating this is our second growing season of seeing people use it and it's just been so cool to think about the connections that we've had because i think this is something that the market has been really kind of waiting for and kind of hoping that someone would execute it right <laughs> whatever it's amazing how many thank you cards i've been getting for people i'm like no oh, thank you for buying it and they're like no thank you for making it and it's really funny to watch so love that and i love how you mentioned that you know you're staying within your community and supporting yeah. those that are buying from you and i always say and i make sure to say it to my customers often a dollar spent with me is a dollar spent in my community i'm investing in the basketball teams i'm yeah. investing in our local hardware store because easier just to go buy my soil there than to try to figure out how how to source it. So I love that. I think people find value in supporting a small business like us. And like you said, right, every dollar spent is not going to a private equity group. It pays for our daughter's swim lessons or <laughs> it pays for, I go into the steel shop, talk to those guys and you look at every one of them, like they're so excited about this, right? And I think people can get behind that, right? Because when they're doing the same thing on their side. So why soil blocks, Ashley, to start this adventure? Why did you choose soil blocks? I will say that we had the smaller blocker at first. The trays went taking up too much space in my mind. When we were starting, it was, it was very overwhelming because I told you, go big or go home. So of course, I needed to grow every different type of flower and about 500 of them because that's totally necessary. I think I'm, what, year five, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, you don't need to grow 10,000 of these, just the ones that fit in the space. You know, it was the idea of being able to have control over and see and watch the growing process. And, you know, it's funny, 
is I haven't always been a get your hands in the dirt kind of girl. Yeah. Uh, so this is very funny because my family was blown away that we decided to do a flower farm because I hated camping. I didn't really love the outdoors. I do enjoy hiking and, and nature. So and it's funny because I truly believe in getting your hands in the dirt now. It is therapeutic and it takes you into a different space. But I think that with the soil blocks, it was just less space. It was faster. I mean, the toothpick part is not faster. That was my least favorite part. You know, that and we got to do it with my daughter and we were still trying to find like the most efficient way to have the transplant part, right? Like we were doing sunflowers in like the trays and then we were doing the soil blocks and they were like, why can't we do the sunflowers in the soil block? And so it's just this kind of like thinking process and making sure and it was for me, it was kind of this like world opening of like growing that everyone else already knew the basics of. And so I was just kind of getting a grasp on it, knowing that those roots are going to go straight into the ground and they have a better way to adapt to the soil than, you know, not being root bound in the trays. I think that was kind of just the reason for wanting to do that faster and yeah. better for us anyway. And to each their own in every element of flower farming, floristry, mm-hmm. you got to find what works for you and you do you, boo. That's my new like <laughs> slogan but yes. I will tell you what to every dislike people say about soil blocking I have a million other great reasons to do it most of us start out in a bathroom or a kitchen or a spare closet with a rack and some shop lights. Let's be real. Most people listening are laughing because they're having dinner with their seedlings. For me, it was maximizing my space. And, you know, I'll hear a lot of debate about by plugs because, you know, when you touch that seed and all the math that goes into creating a seedling. Well, plugs are expensive and I can't afford, I'm sorry, I can't, buying thousands upon thousands of plugs. I got to grow from seed plus there's certain varieties that you can't get in a plug. And so I got two big Costco racks and I got shop lights under them and one rack has the heat mats on it and I needed to figure out a way to grow, like to Daniel's point, hundreds upon thousands of flowers on that one rack. And when I came across Lisa Mason Ziegler and soil blocking and her passion for it, my aha moment. So I started the experimenting based on her recipes and YouTube folks. Mm -hmm, It has a wealth of knowledge. And I just trial by fire. I really sucked in the beginning. I joke with people that the reason why we make so many flocks is because we kill so much. that, That we have to compensate for how much we kill because it took it took me personally a long time and we've kind of separated duties where she's taken sort of the commercial cutting arranging whereas I do most of the growing I would say in the beginning and then we share transplanting and go back and forth but in the beginning I couldn't get everything to stop damping off And I was like, what the heck am I doing just in the basement? And I was following the recipes and I was watering and everything. And what I found is that it's not even like whether you grow in a tray or you grow in a soy block, so much of your success is dependent on temperature, temperature and relative humidity. And that's when I really started to kind of crack the code when it came to different varieties and how fast I could get them to grow to transplant or if I could slow them down. And so like last year was really the first year we started to see success with like Lysianthus, which I was petrified of trying because everybody 
hates growing that thing because the amount of time that you have from the moment of sowing to screwing it up is so much, right? I mean, you can overwater one time, a light fixture could drop and smash them and burn those seedlings out. I mean, there's so many things that can happen. And they, they do, do happen. They have <laughs> happened. Lots. Delphinium, I still can't grow. Still can't. We still, we were just talking about like, still can't figure that one out. I know there's, and there's probably a lot of people like, these guys are idiots, but there's, I feel like the, just the creating the cube of soil is like the first step of the so many other variables that you need to control. It's not so much about what soil mix you use. I, I feel like that's one of the top things that I've tried to debunk almost is that, you know, everyone's like, what's your magic recipe? And I'm like, no, we just use straight organic soil mix with water. You know, if it needs to be sifted, we don't sift anything. We just go straight into it. And they're like, but really, what what else are you adding to it? I'm like, no, I'm like nothing. It's just water. That's it. We can't get any more complicated than no, that. No, we can't. We can't. We can't. We barely manage what we have. And for me, it's been controlling the temperature. We use our, our cooler as our hot room. So we take everything out and then we put a small heater in there and we go between 75 and 85 degrees and then keep our relative humidity right around 50%. 50% or higher if I can, because I find that it actually works as a germination chamber. And if I can maintain that temperature, everything goes really smooth. As soon as it starts to drop off, especially if I have a lot of water, that's when everything starts doing damping off. It was fun kind of uncovering those over the years that have gone. And I think this year is going to be our most technical year when it comes to documenting, because our goal is to try to make a resource for people to use for soy blocking and grow um, something more in depth than what's out there right now. Well, I think the time is now for all of it, you know, as there's been just this emergence of tons of flower farmers across the country and folks are trying to figure it out. And, you know, having that resource in one place would be incredible. And to your point about, you know, when you're using just like the 20 blocker, I have found I've had to sift because you'll break that dang thing. Yes. Unlike the swift blocker where you just throw the soil in there and you, it's so efficient. It's amazing. Like you said, for like writing you thank you cards like this is me virtually and telling you how amazing it is and life-saving to just my poor hand is in like sore I just lay the soil in there and boom we're done such a cool tool and it just time and efficiency um, when we get down to our lean principles if we're looking at that type of thing not only creating the blocks I just think it's been a magical experience since I got mine and I know that lots of people have started to invest in. If you're hearing this now and you haven't got one yet, I strongly urge you to do it. Just going back to like the soil blocks, I just have been so impressed. Number one, you can go from seed to field so much faster, so don't start them too soon. I did learn that. The transplanting, I'm not cutting myself on a plastic tray. It's so much easier just to rip the soil block apart and then put it in the ground, the air pruning of the roots. Like you said, going back to Lysianthus, I haven't had like the most amazing germination to have those big, huge trays and have like two seedlings in them. Yeah. It just 
Oh, it's a. So if you have seed that maybe doesn't have the best germination, like the soil blocks allows you to get that germinated and then you can pot them up into bigger soil blocks or whatever that may be. But it just time and efficiency wise, I just love soil blocking. And the Swift Mm -hmm. blockers just allowed me to step up my game, to do it faster, to save my hands. It's Mm -hmm. so cool. So good job, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You've started at the very beginning. You have different sizes now. You have yep. different colors, which, <laughs> Daniel, that was smart move. Like, <laughs> I had already got mine, and then you're like, oh, we have the pink one. I'm like, dang it. I wanted the pink one. I know, aren't you starting to sell them in the UK? So maybe yep. tell us a little bit about that adventure from that first one to now where you're at today and where you hope to grow. Let's see, when we started, we only started in the United States because we were still trying to feel out, are people even interested in this and trying to figure out our supply chain and what that looked like. Right around January, December, January, the Canadian market started to reach out to us and said, hey, can I get this in Canada? And I said, no, I have no idea how to ship it to Canada or what's involved with that. And then we had two wonderful people reach out to us, Carla and Aaron up in uh, Saskatchewan. And they are just like us. They have kids, they run a small business. And that's when we were looking for distributors, we like picking people like us where, you know, they're easy to relate to because to me, they understand the value of it and they would understand who their, who their customer is. And so they said, hey, can we be a distributor for you? So we said, okay, sure. They started taking pre-orders and working with them has been wonderful. So seeing that expansion kind of get our feet wet a little bit from the international side. And then we recently expanded into Sweden with uh, Blue and seeds, uh, Charlotta and Anna over there. So they will be receiving their shipment hopefully in this next couple of weeks uh, to be able to service there. And they'll be able to service the EU completely because Sweden's still in there. And then we're moving into the UK as well. So it's just been a crazy journey for us. You know, we've luckily had, have had, I mean, my background is, is in materials science and business. And so I've had a good amount of mentors around me to be able to ask questions of how the heck do we do this? But it's crazy to think of where we were 18 months ago to where we are now. So it's been super fun. I mean, to be honest, the most fun part is just being able to connect with different people that we never thought we'd be able to talk to and learn from them and and figure things out. So what has some of your customers said? Like what's been the feedback? One of the nicest things I heard from someone was that they can now spend more time with their kids because in the evenings, like you probably know, kids go to bed or maybe they're not in bed. You're soy blocking at the kitchen table and they're with the toothpick and they're going one by one by one. You're going to spend hours and hours and hours to do that. And they were able to do, I don't know how many trays in an hour and then they can put it away, take their kid to whatever sports they need to go to. And that to me was like super satisfying to hear. I think it, what it does is it allows people to expand their business, but also contract their businesses fast, right? When you invest in a thousand trays, you feel the need, like I got to fill those thousand trays versus if you invest in something that gives you the ability to make a thousand or to make 10. So say there's a year when you have another baby in your family or something, right? Where you're like, I got to take a summer off. You you haven't put that much capital up front that you can't immediately take back. And so being able to enable people to do that, to control their business now has been really, really nice. It's been super fun. What does your team look like? Because (laughs) they're hugging each other for the folks that can't see this. I love that. Well, you started at the very beginning and now you're like expanding into multiple countries. So are you producing them in the US and then you distribute them? 
them out to, like you said, Bloomin, and then they yep. order through her, and then she Correct. kind of packages, ships, and does all the direct-to-consumer. Like, okay, it's just you two. Are you hoping to, like, kind of stick it to your, your team of two, or are you looking to expand? <laughs> How's work-life balance for you guys? <laughs> that's another podcast maybe we have to do to talk about that. No, it's been good. I mean, we've designed the business in a way that has allowed us to expand quickly, but not create the fixed overhead burden, right, that can come from that and some of the complications. So our manufacturer is excellent. You know, they work with us at whatever we need, which is wonderful. You know, she does all of the packing and shipping. I did some of it in the beginning, and then I was fired pretty quick based on my own. Presentation is everything. Yeah, yeah. She feels <laughs> takes a lot of pride in that, which is great. And so usually happens to be on it's Saturday mornings or when my daughter goes to bed. We try to stay up on it, and then everything gets shipped out. We've got probably close to 50 that have to go out Saturday. We are just constantly busy uh, doing that. We try to get as many supplies ready and in front of us as possible. It's just like soy blocking. I mean, it's literally, it's the same thing. It's like just trying to keep everything prepared and in front of you so that if we had to expand, it's probably not going to be for a little while, at least from an overhead standpoint. I think we can maintain this pace, hopefully for a little while. And we have good family support too. We got great babysitters. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. Because do you guys have day jobs? Oh, yeah. Yes. He does. I kind I mean, I stay with our daughter and then I do tutoring and the, the flower farming. And the flower yeah. farming. The yeah. business. <laughs> you know, Ashley, I am acknowledging you right now because I'm full time flower farming. And oftentimes, from my family, they're like, What'd you do all day? I'm like, mm. I have a job, people. Just because I'm home does not mean I'm not working my butt off. So thank you very much. I am, I see you. I see you, yes, friend. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> wow. And I think that's why I really wanted to share you guys' story because oftentimes we can jump on Instagram and we can see the reels and we can see fellow flower farmers using a tool and be enticed into buying it. And then sometimes we can be like, ooh, that's really expensive. But at the same time, it's great to tell the story of the people that have made it, what goes into it, what you're supporting when you purchase purchase something like this. You're not only supporting a small business, you're supporting all these families that are being fed by you producing this tool locally. And it's the Local Flowers Podcast. So we have the local resources to help us be more efficient. We should support you. And with that said, what are you guys doing for just marketing to get your word out there and to get more people buying Swift Blockers? So we were just talking about this. To be honest, we don't do any advertising. I believe that people should buy our tools because they've been surrounded by people who have had a good experience with it and let that do the selling. A lot of our reels are just more how to use it or like here's some benefit. Like there's not, so our advertising budget is like very small because it's just a lot of the times it's just other people getting to know another person who has one. And that's honestly been our marketing. You know, we like to show just because of our own growing, I like to show the progression.
progression of our flowers growing. I think this year we are going to spend quite a bit of time taking a heck of a lot more pictures and doing more documentation from a technical standpoint, you know, progression of flowers, when to transplant, that kind of thing. But other than that, it's just Instagram. That's really it. That's been completely it. That is the flower platform. So <laughs> I think it, you got a great strategy there. And just like you said, some of the products that have exploded the most in our culture have been through social influencers. So think of all those flower farmers that are social influencers using their swift blockers. We did have a few key people in the beginning that helped us kind of get the word out because yeah. it, it was mostly just like first I, I would tell them like don't even try to talk about it just try it and just let us know like we I know I like it and I know some other people but I, I, I want some other feedback and I would joke and say like you could sell it for scrap too like it's a lot of heavy metal and you probably get some <laughs> money for it like that's also an option if you want you know if you, there's been a, a, a bunch of different people who have helped us both Breeze have helped us Laura mm -hmm. Weber Amanda mm -hmm. yeah ever hopeful she's fantastic we've had so many different key people come in um, in the beginning and give us a shot. And our mantra has been like, this is no pressure. I feel uncomfortable even asking you, you know, to, to talk about this because we're kind of new. And we've been so thankful for people giving us that opportunity in the beginning. I'm just going to put it out on the airwaves and just strongly urge people to invest in themselves <laughs> and their ergonomics and get themselves a swift blocker because it's an incredible tool. Ashley, I do want to ask you a little bit more about Gigi's Flower Farm. You you mentioned the roadside stand. Is it self-service? And I love that you used a garden bed uh, for your setup. So maybe tell us just a little bit about your roadside stand. And then you talked about your farmer's markets as well. What does that look like for you guys in the upcoming season, especially as your team of two doing a day job, the Swift Blocker, the flower farm, and your parents. So what does that look like? You know, when we first started out and we're first trying to grow flowers and just trying to see, like, is there a spot for us here in the community? The roadside stand, I'll be very blunt, was not successful. <laughs> we live in a subdivision, but we're also on 30 acres. So we're out in the country. You know, we're a bit of a drive. You know, it's not easy to just come to our stand. So that was kind of where the creation of the travel flower bed came in. And so then we started going to the markets that first year, which was, we, truly enjoyed it. We have a special place in our hearts for farmer's markets. We both love them. We got engaged at the one um, in our town. So it's just like, a, we just really enjoy the community part of it. Talking with people and sharing and like even the other vendors learning about their different processes, the things that they make. So that was really incredible. I love the farmer's markets. Looking at this year, I you know, we are in a tricky spot with our family dynamic as our daughter's starting to do more things and farmer's markets are hard. For us, it was on the weekend. So we're trying to look at different avenues of trying to reach more people and still be part of the community, but doing it at times that are more convenient for our family. And that's tricky to find out and especially as a team of two, you know, there's a lot of switch-offs of like... Classes. Yeah, so I started doing classes and... When I'm doing classes, 
he's on dad duty, but also he needs to do the setup part in the beginnings because it needs some heavy labor. So it's, you know, it's a give and take. And to be honest with you, we have, we both come from large families and our parents are hugely invested in helping us and supporting us. We have a tremendous amount of support in people who are willing to help. And so that's what kind of makes it work. And it's a lot of playing around and trying things out. And some things like the roadside stand are not successful and they were a dud and that's okay. And some things are great, you know, classes. And I love, I have a teaching background. So I taught for seven years and uh, before our daughter was born. And so that class aspect is, I love it. And the latest episode that I just put out, Shelby, and she's a teacher. Like this is where you have to try everything, I feel like, to see what sticks and what sticks with your community, your location. And, you know, with her teaching, she learned that the workshops were something that was a guarantee. That's what she had space for, time for. And so again, and then your Reese, I mean, clearly that's something that's everybody's wanting. So it's just along the way, it feels like you kind of find your niche and you grow from there. I mean, look at the Swift Blocker. I mean, he would have never thought about that had it not been for your flower farming background. So I remind him of that frequently. <laughs> and just with kids too, the flowers are beautiful, but you got to be able to live your life and manage your life and what fits into your life. And so, and I think we oftentimes feel all this pressure to do all the things, but it's okay to step back and gradually grow and figure out what's going to help you level up, but then also still have a life balance with your family and your children. So we've been talking a lot about flower farming, but as you guys were talking, I was thinking about what about all those veggie farmers out there? And Mm -hmm. have you focused on kind of selling the Swift Flocker to them? And have you got a lot of engagement from, say, the veggie farmers? Yeah. So there's been a couple of people who have really started to adapt to Jesse Frost at No-Till Growers. He's been a, a huge proponent for us and he put out a great YouTube video reviewing it. And that kind of kicked off the idea of doing these sort of larger soil blocks, more focused on, you know, people who are growing squashes or tomatoes, that kind of thing. We developed the 128 after we heard, I was literally reading all the YouTube comments of like, I wish they had a 128 because that's most of what veggie growers use. And I was like, oh yeah, we could do that. That should, that should be easy. So we had that one done and then the 50 cell came from that as well, where we wanted to give people an opportunity to have a longer dibble um, so that the 50 cell is a little bit different this time because there's threaded inserts in the plungers themselves. So you can actually thread the dibble in and out. So instead of the plugging it in like the other one, so it gives people a little bit more flexibility who need to grow plants that need just a deeper root system or need to be covered up. That was kind of born from that. It's been interesting as I've talked to more veggie growers, I'm learning a tremendous amount about what's needed from that market. The market I've learned most from, to be honest, has been uh, the cannabis market. From a technical standpoint, there are some unbelievably good growers. There are some extremely good uh, like soil nutrient courses that you can take, and there's so much to be learned there, just because that market has been traditionally tied so much to cash flow, right? 
And there's been a lot of big businesses that invested in that side. And so I've been trying to learn personally a tremendous amount about what systems they use because I feel like so many of those can be translated back to the veggie and food industry. It's just we nobody's really made that leap yet. That's what I've been focused a lot on is trying to just sort of take a market that has succeeded in one way and done a lot of R&D and just try to try and translate those same successes to what we're doing and see what sticks, right? I was just listening to a podcast about the cannabis and just learning about like soil health and all the things and was like there's a lot here so can't wait to see all the product development that will come from watching the youtube comments i love that too look at your r&d right there <laughs> we read all of them believe me so what is this upcoming season look for you guys as we're headed into and that's why i was like i need to get this episode out there because we're all headed into massive seed starting season so yeah. what does it look like for not only managing the farm there, Ashley, and getting your flowers in the ground, but getting hopefully some more swift blockers out to the market. What does the next season look like for you guys? I've been sitting down doing a lot of planning. And I think that, you know, as we were talking about trying to figure out like, what's your goals and not trying to do everything, even though everything is an option, that's hard for people who like to go big or go home. And so trying to figure out the balance of those things for us. And I think that one of the biggest things we're working on this year is like, I am only only trying to grow as many plants that I'm going to put in my designated areas and having them labeled and not overgrowing to watch the plants die in the greenhouse. And then making sure we can get those in the ground before we do some exploring and launching of some different things with Swift Blocker. And so, yeah, from a, the blocker <coughs> standpoint, I have two huge priorities. One is finish the potting up system that we have almost done. So that's been a lot of our questions asked of us is, hey, can I pot up in your blocker? And it's been tough because my answer has always been, you don't you don't have to do that. Like that's a, a sort of a legacy thing that's been done for a long time, but it's not necessary. If you time things appropriately, and grow in the right size block that you want to transplant, it'll work out fine. But I've, I've decided to design that to be able to punch that square hole into the larger 72 or the 50 cell. So I have that almost done, just finding the time to finish it. That's the big thing. And then I've been working on a, an attaching seeding system. So this whole thing was kind of started where because soy blocks have never been into a standard space, you've never been able to attach something to it to bring you to the next uh, circle of your process, right? And so after you're done creating your soy blocks, there was never a way to automate seeding. And so now that I have a standard size, now I can have a vacuum seeder or a drop seeder be able to attach to it. So people who want to seed, say, 200 soil <laughs> blocks at once can now do that. That's my goal to release this next year is the subsequent seeding system that will attach to the blockers because hopefully that will take farms that, again, eliminates the next constraint and brings up to the next level. So so will that attachment be something like, say, with the one that I have, I can just purchase that attachment and it fit right in? Or yeah. will it be a new blocker? No. Nope, it'll fit on everyone's existing blockers. I can just see all these accessories. You've got like the Swift blocker, your little seating tray. Yes. Brilliant. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the only thing that I have created. <laughs> 
<laughs> for Swift Blacker. It's and you know it was the o- the only one that is the. It's a good. Yes, it's very good. That that is because we hate using the toothpicks. Yes. Like you just want to break those things in half as you're using them, and it's from those Snapdragons. Snapdragons just kill you or fever few or mm-hmm. like any of those little ones where you gotta like even. I mean, they're still it's easier, but it's still not easy with that. And so that's where I'm like, I'm happy to be able to speed things up. But that's when I was like, we got to do the vacuum seeder or this drop seeder system. It's got to, we just have to. So, and um, uh, don't paint it black because I'm getting old and I can't see those black seeds. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make it like bright yellow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, no, we could do that. That's awesome. Well, I'm super excited to see all the things that are going to evolve. And I think it's just education. And two, going to your earlier point, Daniel, is just, you know, I've had. I think of my personal experience. I've had to learn by trial, by error. And we talked about earlier about with soil blocks, I've learned you can't start stuff too soon. Like you yeah. look at the back. I have so many seed packets around me right now. But you look at the back of the seed packet and, you know, start, you know, eight to 10 weeks before your last frost. And they're just giving you a general kind of saving grace with those recommendations. But you learn, okay, this grows really fast and I can't habits because that was I hear a lot of downfalls with soil blocking is well they just they languish it's because they need to go into the ground so I've over the years learned just my process of okay I need to start this here this here this here so it can go out as soon as possible so I do think if you did get something together about just what to start and when there's another guide that you could add on to your order. I'm seeing an Excel spreadsheet or some tool (laughs) that you just enter in the seed and it populates when you should start it. Wink, wink. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and to be honest, all of this is selfish for our own growing too. Because yes. I'm like, we're still trying to figure it out as well, right? Is it better to grow, you know, a Snapdragon in a 200 or 128 or a 72? And should you do it where it's, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, right? And we don't even know what that really looks like because we've never had a block this size for the, the roots to be able to develop at that scale. So that's kind of the different things we plan to play with with this in our spare time. We got to figure it out. <laughs> well, I'm just really excited. Like I told you guys, was really excited about this episode because I'm just so passionate about soil blocking. And I think there's, especially in the world of flower farming, there's so many new people out there. And, you know, that's where innovations really are going to start to shine. Here's a perfect example is as more people start to venture into this career, and oftentimes we have a big amount of background behind us and skill sets that we bring to the the table, I just see a lot of innovation coming to growing flowers because of it. So I'm excited that this bloomed thanks to Ashley's flower farming adventure. Absolutely. (laughs) And with that said, what's your guys' favorite flower and which ones have you fired or they shriveled up and died in the tray? There's a lot that have shriveled up even though we've liked them. My favorite is Lysianthus. I I also love dahlias and zinnias and Every year, even though they are a labor of love, and I always think they're going to die, 
because they take so long and I'm like, they're not growing. When they come and I cut them and I hold them, I'm like, I love this flower. And they last so long and they're beautiful. Your favorite? I like the dahlias. Dahlias. And there's particular varieties that I really like. The ball dahlias. And I'm starting to get into the water lily ones. One of the hobbies of the many that we have taking on is the dahlia breeding. I've been doing so much research because that's another area to me where there's a whole level set of tools that don't exist that, you know, I've been working for fun on a dahlia specific blocker for breeding uh, just for my own use and for fun. So that's working with dahlias to me is super fun because it's a big genetics project. Well, Ashley, I'm right there with you on the Lysianthus. I love them. And they're one that I definitely soil block. I just feel like they're better plants. And again, the germination takes up so much space. So I agree. And I started dahlia seeds two years ago and bought a package and was like, oh, I'm going to try growing them from seed. And I, I started them in soil blocks and oh, yeah. they, they were amazing. So I think that's great. But what are ones that you would fire? I enjoy very unique things, but I have also found that some of them aren't best for just for my sanity. So I have put on the chopping block and no longer grow quinoa, which can be very cool, but that one got, it's gone. And then calendula. It's a very early flower. So it's kind of like, it makes you feel like spring is here, but I just didn't love the stickiness of it and the not long enough stems. And it just didn't love that part. So what about you? Amaranth. I hate that plant. <laughs> it, it reseeds everywhere. I think it's super ugly. <laughs> and uh i, I still grow it i just i hate that it's because it, it could give if you don't pinch them you get that one that ends up being like a tree mm-hmm. and then you're trying to cut that thing down and then they just reseed everywhere and then every time she's trying to dry it it ends up as like a fine layer of seeds all over your garage floor and i hate that thing <laughs> But I love it at the same time. This last season, I direct seeded it, like even as like a cover crop, and I didn't go thin it, and they were perfectly straight and the perfect size. So, but I did have that one massive uh, hot yep. biscuit Street. out there. So yep. there, I think there's a strategy: just throwing out the seeds and letting it kind of be overpopulated to get that perfect stem length. But you're yes. so right about the seeds. <laughs> but the price of seeds these days—that's free. <laughs> seeds yeah 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 true it's true just come to our garage and vacuum them up and you can have as many as you want Well, you guys, this has been so awesome, and I just really thank you for your time. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share or a piece of advice that you'd like to share with our audience? I think from just a farming standpoint, make sure that you're looking at not what you're doing, but how you're doing it. And and keep in mind, when you try to scale your business, how will that affect your business? If you tell yourself, I want to double my business, the answer can't be, I'm just going to work twice as many hours. You have to figure out a way to double your speed or quadruple it because things will become unprofitable fast and you'll be too far invested to be able to pull that back. That's my biggest piece of advice, I guess. Mine would be to trust and your engineer husband's mind and to undergo the eight months of talking about the tool that has not come out prior to it because sometimes it can be something great. So I drove her nuts for a very long period of time talking about it. Yes. Just every single night. I was like, 
I think we could do this. I think I think it should look like this. I think I, I do another drawing, and I think it should look like this. She's like, just get away from me. Please stop talking about this. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's good. I think that what you said, like, there's a huge upswing in flower farming, and I think it's fantastic. And I think that there are some amazing minds that are going to bring some really awesome things. It just makes the community get bigger and allow for even more exciting things, like new breeds of dahlias and new flowers and new innovative ways to grow and and it's just a huge learning opportunity you know with that my teaching background I love the idea of learning from other people who have done the trial and error and are taking the time to really just explore and grow and work within their community it's very impressive to see just I mean within the last because this I'm going in my fourth growing season but to just see the evolution in the last like four years is incredible not only from the tools the resources to the flowers that are emerging on the marketplace it's pretty cool i wish we could do a little flashback somebody needs to do a video of how it's grown and it's going to grow even more which is really exciting to see how can folks follow you guys for inspiration how can they find your products tell us all the things so they can buy swift blockers and maybe even go buy some flowers from gg flower farm where our website is swiftblocker.com and our instagram is swiftblocker Let's see. From a distribution standpoint, we sell through Gardener's Workshop and she carries the minis. All the commercial sizes and a lot of the accessories come through direct through our website. Um, If you're in Canada, there's a SwiftBlocker website specific for them, which is SwiftBlockerCanada.ca, I believe. And then Bloomin' Seeds, if you're in Europe, you can reach out to Charlotta over there. And we're not quite in the UK yet. So for the UK people, just wait, just wait a little bit. In Australia, Australia's been bugging me as well. So it's just wait a little bit longer and we'll have be able to buy over there. Gigi's is not in Canada <laughs> or Australia, but this year we'll have subscriptions, we'll have classes, and everything is purchased through the website, which is ggsflowerfarm.com. G-G-S. Yes, I should yeah clarify. It's not G-I-G-I. So same on Instagram. It's G-G-S Flower Farm. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast and just sharing your journey with us. It's been so cool to hear it. I've followed you guys and obsessed over your post for so long but to actually sit down and hear your story it's so inspiring and I'm excited to share it because I think oftentimes it's easy to just see pictures or somebody's real and not really see the people behind it like I was looking for your names and trying to know who you were so you have to add that to your about me page (laughs) because especially in the flower farming community what I've found is we're a unique breed and we really want to support each other so I just recommend everybody go buy their swift blocker give it a try well thank you guys so much thanks for having us I just want to say thank you again to Daniel and Ashley for sharing their story it was such a great conversation and I feel so inspired by it I'm just going to urge you all to go out there and support them and purchase yourself a Swift Blocker, give it a try, and follow along on their journey. You know, I have my wall of inspiration from all of my guests, and some of the quotes that I will definitely be adding to that wall are, what problem are you trying to solve in your business? If you want to double your business, double whatever it may be in your business, the answer isn't always to work 
twice as harder. It's to find the tools like the Swift Blocker or whatever it may be to make you more efficient so that you can double your business or just be way more efficient. I am a one woman show in my flower farming and floristry business. I am constantly trying to find ways to maximize my resources, maximize my time, and It's an evolution for all of us. This is the game of trial and error. There will be things that work for me, but they may not work for you. And I just love the community that we're creating here. We're sharing what works for us, some of the lessons that we've learned, the tools that have allowed us to be more efficient in our business. And I just love, I love all of the innovation that I'm seeing our flower farming community come up with. And if you're one of those innovators, I just welcome you to share your story here on the podcast because this is the place to share it and to tell your story. Well, thank you again, Daniel and Ashley, and I hope you all are doing well and take care. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation and together all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.